Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 101 of Dean Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we talk about a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my good buddy, Ben Buffhoffer. How you doing tonight, Ben? I am doing pretty great. Um, I gotta say, I am excited for tonight. There's some some stuff on the horizon that is looking pretty good, and uh, you know what? Instead of just delaying, let's just jump right in. Let's let's do this. Yes, yes. So uh, we're gonna talk about a few things tonight, uh, but the first one is fairly big, as uh, the team Overt Wizards dropped a new unearthed Arcana for the 2024. Uh, uh players i get the place is player's handbook yeah this yeah. is player's handbook revamp um we should be getting some more for the uh monster manual and dm's guide here soon but this is in at least in theory the last like i believe the last like player's handbook Ooh. under Tharkana, or at least the last one that will actually have classes in it Ooh. uh and in it, they are dropping three of the classes that uh, they had the most feedback that they still needed some work. So in this uh, Unearth Arcana, uh, we got the monk, the barbarian, and the druid, yes. along with a few new spells um, and uh, just a miscellaneous stuff. But uh, it's... It's honestly, uh, I was there. There's a video on it. We'll link to that. There's a really good D&D Beyond article that highlights uh, some of it. Um, I got a chance to look through it over the last few days because uh, this is this is fairly fresh. By the time this episode drops, this will mm-hmm. have only been out uh, a week or so. Uh, so this is this is fairly fresh kind of diving into it. But for the most part, uh, this is one of the most exciting UAs. So far, in my opinion, uh, barbarian changes look really good. The monk changes look really good. We have some thoughts about the druid uh, that continue to be not quite as good as the other stuff. Uh, but let's 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 jump in. Um, let's talk about the barbarian a little bit. Yeah, definitely. So the barbarian, uh, most of the changes are tweaks to the the base class. Uh, one of the things Jeremy Crawford said was that. All the other classes now have something that they get out of short rests, but the core barbarian class did not yet. So they're changing uh, that and they're allowing you to get one rage back after a short rest. That's pretty cool. That I mean, sometimes fair, you can go through them pretty fast. Yeah, you, you can. But while everybody else in your group is, you know, taking a short rest to get some hit points back or, um, you know, get if you're a warlock, you get your spells back, you get, you know, bardic inspiration back, you get something back. The main kind of thing that barbarians have is is their rage. So getting anything back during a short rest is is good. Um, it'd be great if you could have like maybe half of your available rages back or something, but one is still pretty good. That means that, you know, you have it for at least one fight coming up and with the changes that they've done to rage, that might be all you need. Yeah. The, um, they've, they've made some changes to the, the overall rage, uh, as well. Uh, the biggest thing being uh 15th level, which obviously that is 
fairly far into there. Uh, the the short rest one you will probably get and make use of a lot more often. But at 15th level, the Persistent Rage uh, allows you to now restore all of your uses of rages once per long rest when you roll initiative. Mm-hmm. And in addition, it's been modified to only allow the unconscious condition to end your rage early, not incapacitated. Um they say this is an important distinction because unconscious condition is far less common than incapacitated, <laughs> which means your barbarian keeps raging while like they're sleeping. <laughs> they get knocked out with a sleep spell or something like that. They will, they'll have rage dreams. I oh, guess. no, no, no. It, it's their rage unless they're knocked out. So until they're knocked out or put to sleep. So basically the incapacitated part is like, say they're, um, well, restrained isn't a good thing to yes, say. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because so sleep, sleep would be unconscious. Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. incapacitated is that, yeah, they're, they're, they're down to like zero hit points. They're not unconscious. They're incapacitated. They're still angry and they just might come on back or paralyzed. Yep. Oh, that's a big one too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a bunch of different things like that. Again, this is a 15th level thing. Mm -hmm. So not, not a ton of people will necessarily see that. Although more people should, because you should be running higher level stuff. Yes. We'll talk about that in a tiny bit too. Um, but you know, that goes really well with, um, something that they brought in. I think they did bring it in on the last, uh, players, uh, handbook, the last barbarian that they did. If not, then I'm just highlighting it right now anyway, cause I love it so much is that the fact that, um, you know, if you're raging and you don't have anything to attack, um, you can just use your bonus action to continue your rage, which before it was, you know, you have to either take damage or do an attack. Um, on top of that too, now, um, it it does specifically spell out, like if you are trying to restrain someone, your rage continues, that's considered an attack. And I like the fact that it's incorporating a lot of that in there because something I always bring up is, you know, it's kind of, you know, more realistic. It, it, it feels real. I'm not gonna be like, ah, Oh, hold on. Let me hug you really quick and hold on to you for a little bit. I'm, I'm in a good mood right now. And then they break away and then I just have to get mad again. You know, it just, it doesn't work all that well. Or, you know, <laughs> you're really pissed off for six seconds. And then, cause you didn't hit anything. You're fine. Yeah. You know, no, just, no biggie. Yeah, exactly. So being able to, to choose to do that and continue it going forward is great. You'll still have those, you know, advantage on strength checks or athletic checks, you know, whatever you're doing and stuff. Um, and then be able to continue that that extra damage and that that's uh damage reduction on yourself, especially since barbarians tend to be kind of more tanky than anything else. Having that yeah. damage reduction is pretty much a big key to their, their whole reason for, for how they're tuned. And again, I think this fits into the theme that we've been seeing a lot more throughout uh, a lot of these under Carcanas, which is player choice. Mm-hmm which I'm a huge fan of uh, giving the option. You don't have to use your bonus action to continue raising raging, but you can now if you want to, if mm-hmm. you need to use that bonus action for something else, that's great. You know, do that and then you'll, you'll lose your rage. But uh, again, it's a, it's a player choice thing, which I think is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other big things uh, is that uh, brutal critical is gone. Oh no, not uh, brutal critical. Yeah, uh, Brutal Critical, uh, for those uh, that don't know off the top of their head, is basically 
um, that extra extra thing that happens when you get a crit. Mm-hmm. The problem is, even with reckless attack giving you advantage, there's no consistent way to get a crit. Mm-hmm. And so, depending on how your dice are for the evening or for potentially even several sessions, that just might not happen. And the actual usage of of the ability or the um, the feat <clears throat> is is basically wasted. And this is something that was at you know ninth, thirteenth, and seventeenth level with with extra stuff and whatnot. So they they basically agreed with everybody that the math just wasn't working, <laughs> and uh, it's not fun to have potentially almost no use of a bunch of your class features. So they replaced Brutal Critical with Brutal Strike. And this is, again, player choice. This is another really interesting thing. So Mm -hmm. Brutal Strike at ninth level, when you get it, allows you to forego the advantage granted by a reckless attack to gain an extra 1d10 of the weapon's damage and additional effects. So they say your first choice is like forceful blow. So you forego the reckless attack, you hit, you do extra damage, and then you do a forceful blow with it, and it sends your target flying 15 feet. No save. Which is they just, cool. Which is super cool. And then you can pursue them up to half your speed without provoking opportunity attacks. Or they also list a hamstring blow which reduces the target's speed by 15 until the start of your next turn. And then at 13, you get even more options for Brutal Strike. And then at 17, you get even more options. Uh, They talk about a Staggering Blow, which gives the target disadvantage on the next saving throw. They can't make opportunity attacks. Uh, Sundering Blow, which gives an ally a bonus to their next attack roll against the target equal to your rage damage until you start and so like it's a it's like um and this is i think they talked about this in the video this is cool stuff because this is stuff you can like stack with weapon mastery Mm -hmm. as well so you're getting you can potentially like start creating these really cool combos of like knocking people down and pushing them back or, or something. And uh, it's, it's all about, again, player choice and consistency, because this is stuff that you can be a lot more consistent with versus the, Oh, I hope I get a critical today (laughs) type thing so that my effects can go off. Yeah. And on top of that too, just with brutal strikes alone, that gives you a lot of control on the battlefield and you can synergize with your, your party members as well. Like really greatly. Let's say that's, Oh, this dude, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to defeat this bad guy. And, uh, he is 15 feet away from the next player whose turn it is. And they don't have enough movement. They can only get to 15 feet away. Just boom, hit them, push them into that space. Um, staggering blow. That's great. I'm just going to stagger this guy. He's got disadvantage on his next saving throw. The bard's going to throw Tasha's laughter at him right after that. He's got disadvantage to try to, to take yeah, care think of, of the, the strategic stuff mm-hmm. that you'll be able to oh, do yeah. with this Tons. type of thing. 
tons. Yeah, super, super cool. Super cool. Um, you know what's a little less cool though, Ben? What? The Druid class. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> but before this is we number, say anything, they're trying. They're trying. Uh I but, don't I don't believe they're succeeding, but yeah. they're they're trying. That, that's the best we can um, say. <laughs> this I believe is the third iteration mm-hmm. of the Druid class. Uh, it originally started with your shape. Your wild shape is now just a generic stat block. Yeah. Then it went to, oh, you can know a certain amount of forms at a time, depending on your level. And you can switch one out at a long rest. Uh, but it uses all your your stats, basically. Yeah. Hit points, AC, whatever. Now... Uh, they've, they've iterated a bit further. So now you can know a, a small amount more of wild shapes at the same time. Uh, you get temporary hit points when you shift into a beast form, though the amount of temporary hit points you get is only your druid levels worth. Mm -hmm. And, um, what what was the other? Oh, no, what no was the other ha- half thing? your druids level plus two for the the known forms. Yes, yeah, that yeah. they upped that. That yeah. used to be less. Yeah. Uh, now that's more. You get temporary hit points equal to your your druid level, <laughs> and you get the choice. Uh, I believe at at some point whether to use. Uh, I believe it's your uh, spell casting modifier uh, plus like ten or twelve. Or something like that. I'd have to pull up the UA document. I don't have it right in front of me, but essentially allowing you to up the AC yeah. of your uh, of your uh, your wild shape a little bit uh, to help it scale better. Yeah, have the AC uh, uh, equal thirteen plus your wisdom modifier. Thirteen plus the wisdom. Thank you. Yeah. Um, thirteen plus. So that that could potentially help you the AC in your wild shape. Once you start getting up there, mm-hmm. uh, you may have a pretty crappy AC early on and uh, a lower wisdom modifier. There might be some forms that might be higher than that, but a lot of times that will likely be a higher AC. Yeah, And that is only for the circle of the moon druid though. So that's, you know, correct, which makes sense. That's that. the, uh, yeah, that's the wild shapey, uh, subclass. Mm-hmm. So, um, so improvements, there are some improvements mm-hmm. over the design that was presented last time. Um, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I'm still, I'm still super on the fence with the base class and the circle of the moon, uh, subclass as a whole. Number one, the temp hit points you get are kind of worthless. Like at level yeah. 20, you'll get 20 temporary hit points. That's nothing. That's a sneeze at level 20. Mm-hmm. One hit extra hit point at level one. That, 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 like percentage wise, that might bump you up, you know, from like eight <laughs> to nine. It's an extra or 10% health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, <laughs> the, that diminishes uh, very quickly as, as you level. So it's, that's like I, I feel like it's them trying to throw people a bone of, OK, 
You want wild shape to to, to make you a little tankier. Here's an extra hit point, temp temp hit point per druid level. Yeah, and you know, I just like, thought about the whole you can't stack temporary hit points too, so yay. Yeah. So I mean I it might be it might be a little different if it was two X or three X your druid level. Mm-hmm. That actually might make a difference. Uh, that actually might feel a little bit better. Uh, it's not, you know, in, in theory, like, sure, you're making the spider form a little stronger or whatever, right? And they they talked about how this new method of wild shaping is different because you can't actually get knocked out of your form because the form itself doesn't have hit points. It's still your hit points, which in that way, it's kind of cool. I, I, yeah. I kind of like that. I kind of like that aspect of it. The, that that's a that's a pretty cool aspect of not you know not being able to get knocked out of the form because mm-hmm. you are the form. Whereas polymorphing, it makes more sense that you could get knocked out of the form. Um, but I don't know. I I I don't think that up to 20 temporary hit points at level 20 is really going to move the needle that much or really anywhere along the way. So if they really want that to to be effective or to work, I think you need to double that at the mm-hmm. very least. Yeah. Cause I mean, if you're using your own stats and everything, the, the biggest stat for druids is wisdom right away because of, um, you know, casting and, and whatnot. So if you're really kind of going more towards being a wild shaped druid, you're going to be kind of at a big disadvantage right away. Cause you know, you're not putting a lot into constitution. You're not putting a lot into strength unless, you know, you're at higher levels and you're foregoing feats and, and, you know, throwing it into your ability scores. Whereas if you focus on constitution and strength, then if you ever get into the point where you're going to be casting something, you're worthless there. So it, it really needs to have that a good balance of it. And using your wisdom modifier for things like this makes more sense to me, which is why I'm glad that moon druids are using it. But again, it's not adding more health on top of something that it really needs it. Like, you know, barbarians, fighters, paladins, especially, you know, they're able to kind of go in and do all that stuff and really take a whole bunch of hits. But druids don't have a huge AC because they can't wear armor. They don't have, uh, you know, a ton of health because they're focusing on wisdom. So it's kind of like a lesser tank compared to those others with how some of the setup is, unless you're really min maxing your character out. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. To me, it feels like the the current druid class, despite some of its failings, because obviously there there are some issues of basically having the you know unlimited hit points of the of the current wild shaping. But at the same time, there are also ways to deal with that mm-hmm. incapacitating the druid, hitting other people besides <laughs> the druid if they want to <laughs> play like that. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I feel like there are uh, the, the current version of the Druid is still superior to this new version that they are trying to make. But I don't think they've landed on the right formula yet. And I'm not even quite sure they're going in the right direction mm-hmm. for it. They're they're moving. 
the needle in terms of that base version they gave us in the first UA, it's getting better. But that's not necessarily what I like that getting better might not really matter. <laughs> and like it still might be inferior to what we currently have. I certainly think the circle the moon subclass that we currently have is superior. Mm-hmm. Like just losing the elemental forms for your wild shape transformation is is a massive loss. Yes, I be replaced by a 30 foot teleport. No less, (laughs) no less like being able to do those elemental forms is super cool and very unique as all those elementals had some some neat stuff that let them do certain fun, specific things. So, I mean, I don't want to I don't want to spend too long on the Druid, right? But I think I feel like they're moving in the right direction for what they gave us originally. Yeah. But I don't think it's the right direction for the Druid class as a whole. I mean, going from a a 35% to a 45%, it's still an F, but it is an improvement. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. So I, I don't know this, uh, of all the UA stuff that the Druid has, has honestly been like the through line of disappointment. And I know a lot of people are attached and I know there are some overpowered things about the current class. It's, it's a hundred percent true. It's deal withable. It really is Mm -hmm. as a DM. It is deal withable. Um, and a lot of the problems really don't start to show themselves horribly until you get into that tier three, tier four anyways. Right. And that's that at least from wizard's point of view that's not the the part <laughs> that has actually mattered yeah yeah so uh, which again wizards release more tier three for tier four content please um but yeah like so i'm not i'm not sure what problem they're they're trying to solve like i i do understand the let's make it let's uh let's keep the bookkeeping down mm-hmm. a little bit like i i get that I think a better way to do that, I think they even mentioned in the UA that there is going to be a lot more beast forms in the player's handbook, uh, in the 2024 player's handbook than there is in the current one, which is, which is also good. I think what they need to do is just present it better within the Druid class itself. Be like, here are 10 or 15 stat blocks of different types that you can easily access and use at different levels without having to go search for anything. There is mm-hmm. a wide variety. They do lots of different things. It's a it's CR one quarter to, to five or eight or seven or whatever, right? Put those directly after the Druids form, uh, the Druids base class and subclasses. And they like, boom. You know where they are. Super easy to access. Here's some ones that are very well-rounded and very versatile and diverse. Yeah, that you can use up to like level 10 or or so. Once you get higher than that, you have an idea of the system and how it works. You should be able to kind of look for your own after that, I think. And and to be fair, there's not a lot of beasts that are that are that high CRs. Yeah, that's true. There's really not. 
Like I think the the T Rex is one of the highest like CR beasts, and it's not even that that huge either. Isn't it like a like a seven or a nine or something like that? I'm checking. Yeah, it's an eight. It's an eight. Yeah, that's that's. I think that's that's pretty much one of the highest CR beasts there are to be able to turn into. So, I don't know. I think I think you could make small tweaks to the current druid and make it so that the highest the layout is better. The highest CR beast on D&D Beyond is CR 12. It's a Traxagore, whatever the heck that is. Um, and then the next highest is eight. Yeah. So I like this. That's really, this is, I don't, I really do, am not seeing a problem unless you're going to introduce a, a ton of like super high CR beasts or something that you're scared about. Like, I really don't see what is the problem other than yes, like a T-Rex has a lot of hit points, really low armor class. It's got some, got some cool attacks again, though. It still can't turn into a T-Rex until like, what is it? High single digits, low double digits of level. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's only like if you're circle the moon, because circle the moon gets the higher CRs faster. Well, and no, no. They the just get the higher called. CRs. Because if you're not circle the moon, you're limited uh, to, up to like to, the, I've only well, played moon, one or so. two or something like that. And I don't even think it. Yeah. So I it, it seems it seems very niche. But it seems like a very niche problem. The fun thing is that it, for a challenge rating eight, you can turn into a sperm whale and reenact <laughs> um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So just have your barbarian friend just throw you <laughs> super high up into the air, turn into the sperm whale, just land on your enemy. There you go. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think from how I the the players of mine I've talked to and other players at this point in in the development, most of my players have said uh, that they would not want to play the new version of the Druid. Oh yeah, there it is. I'm looking at it right now. If you're not circle of the moon, um, Druid level, Druid level eight, your max CR is one. Yeah. Like it's not, a, it's really not a problem. It really isn't like yeah. if you were really, really worried about it, you could turn the uh, beast when you wild shaped, you could make the wild shapes themselves temporary hit points instead of real hit points so that they couldn't be healed. Yeah. Before you converted back. Yeah. No, that, to, to that, your own that'd be points. actually a really good idea. Or, yeah. or maybe you don't, uh, you don't, you keep the, I don't convert back after the hit point total is gone and you just get the temporary hit points of whatever you turn into. And then it starts going into your Druid health health pool. Yeah. That can when you work. fall below it, but then you can't heal beyond what your Druid health pool is. If you're worried about turning into something big and then getting healed up. Right. Yeah. So I don't well, know. There's, there's a, I think there's a lot of different options. There's a lot of different fixes, but I, I, I feel like, and when the survey comes out, I will, I will likely say as much that it's, I feel like they're just going in the wrong direction and 
with all the amazing work they've done with the other classes, the Druid definitely stands out as uh, the one that is the least is having the least successful rework. Exactly. But you know what? To deflect our attention somewhere else. One of the ones that is Uh, having the the most successful rework though. I I think you agree with me. It, It is definitely monk. Yeah. Like if, if, we're we're really down on the druid. We are so up on the monk. <laughs> it is so cool the, like, the work that they put into this. They they introduced the the first revision of the monk last UA, and people were pretty meh on it. Like this is not enough. You're not doing much for us. There's still a huge resource problem with uh, key, which is now discipline points. Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff's too expensive. There's too many things competing for the bonus action, etc. And weapon mastery is not enough to to help with that. And so they took that feedback to heart and they did a full overhaul. Like this is this is pretty pretty significant. Yeah, this is oh my gosh. Like okay, it, my favorite change, and I just have to lead with this because I think it's actually absolutely amazing is turning you into Jackie Chan, which is what I'm calling it. Basically, um, deflect missiles, which is one of the coolest things that the monks could do in the first place, has gotten a rework. And, oh, oh no, what could it possibly be? Now you can deflect just melee attacks as well. How amazing is this? Oh, I love it so cool. much. It is so cool. And deflect energy now works against melee attacks as well. I mean how often do you see this in, you know, like, like really awesome Kung Fu movies where, you know, you're using your enemies attacks against other enemies or swinging things around. And, you know, the whole idea is like getting them off balance so that they're, they're attacking their, their buddies and stuff and everything. I just love this. I think it is one of the coolest things that they can add to it. And I am so, so pumped for this because how often do you, as a, a high level monk or a, a really good dex monk, do you actually get to, you know, use the deflect missiles? Because if your AC is pretty good for, cause you have high decks, you're not going to get hit a whole lot. So you don't really get to use that very much. Well, now you have double the chance with things punching you and kicking you and just like kind of batting it away and throwing it into their friend's face. Yeah. That's super huge. And, and along with that, um, Monks can actually use their dexterity to set the DCs of their shove and grapples. Yes. So they don't have to rely on strength for those anymore, which is super cool, very thematic, and makes a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Um, so I'm, big, I'm, big fan of that. They're using decks for everything for them, which is is absolutely perfect. Um, like you said, yeah. it's not key anymore. It's it's uh, discipline points, which I mean, it works with all the different types of discipline that they it's have. more generic. Yeah. It, yeah. It's more it's more generic. It, it makes more sense. Uh, let's say for like a um, a pikeman or something mm-hmm. like that, where it's more grit or it's training versus some inner energy. Right. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, um. Gosh, it's some of the I mean, some of the other cool things. uh, So weapon mastery is out. So that was the one thing that was lost, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. in all uh, in all this change. But I think most of the changes, I don't think I don't think monks are going to 
weapon mastery that much. Uh, no. Their martial arts, uh, uh, the monk weapons are back for the martial arts feature. Mm-hmm. They can use their martial arts die with the uh, the weaponry again now. Uh, the simple melee weapons and the, the martial weapons with the light property. Um, the unarmed strike that monks got as part of their martial arts feature, you can now simply do as a bonus action. It's not actually tied to an action. Uh, having to do it first. So that's super cool. You could use your action to, for something else and then still get the bonus action to do your unarmed strike, uh, which is awesome. We talked about the dexterity now to set the DCs. Uh, there's more discipline points and discipline points are now cheaper because there are now base level things for the monk that don't cost discipline points. So yes. say like step of the wind and flurry of blows and patient defense. Um, flurry of blows still requires discipline points, but patient defense and step of the wind have an option now to do something without spending any discipline points. So like patient defense, if you don't spend anything, you can still use the disengage action as a bonus action. But mm-hmm. if you spend the discipline point on top of that, you can disengage and dodge with a single bonus action or um, a step of the wind. You get a like a small amount of movement, but then you can do other things. If you also spend the discipline points on top of it again, player choice, more flexibility players being able to choose what they want to do and not having everything cost a whole bunch of stuff and your monk just running on empty for most of the day adventuring day. Exactly. And then once you get to level 10, you get heightened discipline as well. So those three have extra bits that go with them. If you spend a discipline point on flurry of blows, you make three unarmed strikes instead of two, um, for patient defense, you gain a number of temporary hit points equal to two rolls of your martial arts die. That's huge right there. That is amazing. And then on top of that, for step of the wind, uh, you know what? You can choose a creature that is uh, large or smaller and just take them with you. You just you just get to run with them. How cool is that? It's it's the that's so anime. It's just like <laughs> yes. the, the one dude grabbing someone and you just it take off in a blur, leaving the streak of dust. <laughs> well, I, that's that it, when I read that, that's all I could think about. Uh, it's just, mm-hmm. just such a, a fun mental picture. And then they also reduced some of the action economy because uh, one of the things that they, like I said, they did talk about was that monks have a ton of competing bonus action, action economy. Mm-hmm. Well, now they actually have some class features that activate at the beginning or end of your turn without having to spend anything, no action, no bonus action required. So like, uh, they, they give the example of, uh, 18th level superior defense to gain resistance to all damage, except force at the beginning of your turn for three discipline points, rather than having to spend the bonus that you, you, so you spend the points and it just activates at the beginning of your turn. No need to spend a bonus action on it. That's something else. Or the monk's 10th level self-restoration. Um, but now you can activate it at the end of your turn to clear charm, frighten, or poison conditions automatically. No action required. You just, at the end of your turn, you can do it. Yeah. Which opens up a lot of implications for freeing up your action economy or freeing up the ability to just do stuff based on the situation. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be- between points, the different uh, things that you can just kind of do and everything, it opens up a whole lot. And then they're not only looking at things like that, but they're also looking at, um, you know, other types of, of abilities that you're doing that, you know, when you get a failure on nothing happens, it's kind of a bummer. One of my favorite things here is that, uh, when you do a stunning strike, um, if you, you know, if you fail on it, if the, you know, your target succeeds the, the role, you actually hit them with some force damage on top of that. So they're still having something happen to them as opposed so to, it doesn't feel like fail. a waste. Yeah. Exactly. And that's something that I absolutely love is the fact that, you know, you're doing the strike. It should be something kind of extra that's going into it. So you still get that little bit of extra damage on top of it, which is a a big boost to, you know, well, among self-esteem, you kind of need it sometimes. (laughs) And having played a monk for quite some time, like this is, I, I, I feel like just reading through this, this is one of their biggest slam dunks. Mm-hmm. out of all the class I like and they've done they've done some good stuff in a lot of the class reworks um and retunings but I think this more so than almost any of them so far has been just a like a real slam duck like a this is exactly what this class needed it feels super thematic there's tons more flexibility now I have so many more options of what I can do uh, and I, it feels better to spend my resources or if I don't spend my resources, I can still do stuff. I'm not going to run on it empty anymore. So it, it's, it's a huge win, it's a huge win. They big props to them for, for the monk class rework in this UA. Yeah. One thing that I'm not seeing on here though, and I think they, they did change it is, um, your unarmed attacks aren't magic anymore. Um, empowered strikes now actually has you, uh, giving you the ability to choose force damage or just the normal type of damage. So you don't have, you know, magic fists anymore, at least with the, the base level monk, you still might in some of the subclasses, we haven't really been able to dig into all of those yet, but that's one thing that I'm a little bummed about cause it was kind of cool, but, uh, at the same time, if you're using, you know, any sort of what, you know, like monk weapon, you're probably going to get a magic version of it. You know, I would hope early on in the game anyway. Yeah. And maybe, maybe the idea is that there's very little that is resistant to force damage. Yeah. Um. So force damage is basically as good as magic. Making your attacks magical for the purpose of. Uh, avoiding the the resistance exactly types. And, and so I, that's time, what I assume. Yeah, and most of the time it is just um, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage that's non magical. So it is a way around that. It just doesn't specifically outline. Hey, it's magical. So yeah, I, I I assume though, just like reading it, that's that was probably the thought pattern behind yeah. it. Is very little is resistant or immune to force damage. So we can give them force damage and not make their fists magical. <laughs> I just want I to have, I, I just want to be, uh, um, Oh, good Lord. His name's not power fist. What am I thinking? One punch man. No, the, the Marvel character. Iron, iron, fist? iron fist, iron fist. There we go. Yeah. I want to have a glowy magical fist. That's I mean, you at. still, it, you still can't. I'm flavoring the force damage as a glowy magical fist. Okay, perfect then. 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> the Power only fist. other. Ugh. So if that weren't enough, that was that is super cool. Like I said, we we were both big fans. Uh, they also did some uh, had some spells mm-hmm. that they revised. Uh, some new spells, some revised spells, and some buffed spe- <laughs> buffed spells. Uh, specifically, they buffed they pretty much buffed healing spells yes. across the board. Yes, I uh, am so happy. A little unexpected that. surprise, honestly. It, it, you know, it's funny because they buff the healing spells, except they still give the druids, hey, you get two at temporary hit points for being level two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, or druids. Still, still weird. Anyways, I'm not dunking on druids anymore this episode. So anyways, um, yeah, no, the, the, that's one of the things. Because, you know, before the show, you and I actually talked a little bit about it, about how, yeah, healing word is, you know, sure, it's a bonus action. So you said it kind of gets away with, you know, having, you know, a D4, you know, kind of the D4 yeah, heals. Yeah, the low die for it and everything. And but even then, cure wounds doesn't really have a whole lot that it gives as well, even though that's a full action. You know, it's just one D8. But now everything's been doubled. Yeah. Yeah. They said um, in the video that they went back, they did the math. And there was definitely headroom for just straight buffs. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, like you said, they're doubled. So healing word is 2d4. Now, the base level of cure wounds is 2d8 now. And so I, I'm I'm actually a really big fan of this change because as a from a healer perspective, um, especially with cure wounds, like getting the like, oh, like a one plus one or mm-hmm. one plus two or something like that. It, it, it's not going to do a whole lot uh, and it doesn't feel super great. They like said healing word kind of gets away with it a little bit because it's a bonus action. Yeah. But when I'm cure woundsing and I roll like a, a one or a two or something like that, and my whole action gives you four or five hit points, that doesn't feel super great. Not so uh, much. So the potential... Again, you can still roll double ones, right? Like mm-hmm. that's that, that's just how dice are. But the potential for a much greater boost of healing from a lot of these healing spells, like uh, like cure wounds, uh, healing word, mass healing word, uh, those sorts of things, uh, mass cure wounds, uh, is I think a very welcome, uh, very welcome change. Yeah. And the thing is, too, is that they still, you know, level up with uh, the spell slots as well. And it's not just adding, a, you know, a single D4 or a single D8 on top of it. No, they're they're going full. Hey, two more D8, two more D4, depending on, you know, which way you go with it and everything. And yeah, with the level ups and that right there, I think really shows that they oh, they see the importance of it, especially at higher levels when like we've we've said before you know one big hit at you know level 20 you're down 50 60 hit points right away yeah well, the he- the healing spells fall off hard mm-hmm. as as the levels the levels go up so yeah this should this should keep them competitive this should keep them as something where as the support person you feel better about casting it uh and as the player you feel better about receiving it uh where it might not just be all gone the next hit uh, so that's that's super cool. They also added a brand new power word spell yes. called Power Word Fortify, which uh, 60 foot 
It's a it's an action. You speak a word of power that fortifies up to six creatures within range. The spell bestows 120 hit temporary hit points, which are divided equally among the spell's recipients. Yeah. Uh, so Very cool. this is this is pretty cool. I, I I'm actually a, a, a big fan of this because it's another way to heal without healing. Uh, and it, it's like a nice little uh, power up type thing. Just oh, yeah. to, here's some extra here's some extra juice guys yeah and, and this is it's it's instantaneous and it's temporary hit points those don't go away until a long rest this is something you could pre cast before you went into battle mm-hmm. if you wanted to yeah and if you have six characters that's an extra 20 hit points right there that's not bad not bad at all if you're running with a you know like a classic four four person group extra 30 hit points right there and that's a seventh level spell. That's pretty good. If you ask me. Yeah. I'm, I'm that is not bad. That. Especially considering that heal is just straight up 70 hit points. <laughs> exactly. So this is, this is good. It's temporary hit points, right? You can't heal them out afterwards. But like I said, especially if you precast this, it isn't instantaneous. So you could cast this in the midst of battle and still get value out of it for sure. But it's certainly something you could precast as well and go into a fight a little hardier. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, and then finally, uh, they are changing how conjure spells work. So up until now, conjure and summon spells were kind of uh, treading on each other's territory especially with the summon spells that were introduced in Tosh's Cauldron of Everything, which seemed to be fairly universally liked as far as um, handling summons. Uh, so what they told uh, or what they talked about is they decided to differentiate summoning and conjuring, whereas summoning uh, is with like the Tasha spells mm-hmm. is more bringing the creature in to fight by your side. And by the way, the Tasha summoning spells are actually going to be replacing uh, everything and appearing as a baseline in the 2024 player's handbook. So yes. they're, they're graduating to base level. Uh, they changed all the conjure spells to work more, uh, I get the good example would be spirit guardians. Uh, so, or, uh, guardian of faith, mm-hmm. like those, those, uh, cleric spells where you have something like going around you. That's kind of summoned, but not necessarily doesn't have its own initiative. Doesn't necessarily have its own hit points or anything or guardian of faith. that has its own like bucket of health and anybody who gets in range, he just smites uses its health to smite them. So let's, uh, for an example, conjure animals. Now, uh, concentration up to 10 minutes, 60 foot range. You summon nature spirits that take the form of a large swarm of spectral animals in an unoccupied space. You can see within range The swarm lasts for the duration and you choose the animals form animal form the spirits, right? So wolves, but it's, it's a flavor flavor it how you want. Yeah. When it, when a creature hostile to you enters a space within 10 feet of that swarm for the first time on a turn or starts its turn there, just like spirit guardians or guardian of faith, 
uh, you can make a melee spell attack against that creature. It's for free. No, no action, bonus action or anything required. It's just something that happens when they come into that range. On a hit, target takes radiant damage equal to 2d10 plus your spellcasting ability modifier. You have advantage on strength saving throws while you're within 10 feet of the swarm. And when you move on your turn, you can also move the swarm up to 30 feet to an unoccupied space that you can see. Again, not a bonus action. Yeah. Not an action to move it. It's just when you move, you can also move them. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where if you wanted to keep it close to you, you could have it just move with you and stay in that 10 foot radius that it's doing. So this is, uh, it, I think this is super cool because this is another type of fantasy. It's another type of, uh, it's a type of conjuring. You have your summons. They have now their own section and now conjure is its own section as well. Its own niche. And it's something that the DM doesn't have to track as a separate initiative. It's something that you can do on your turn. Another cool thing to do. And you get cool effects by being in it or, or like uh, the level seven conjure celestial, you conjure the celestial thing. And then if the something enters the cylinder of light where it is, you get to choose what happens. A creature that isn't undead or construct, you can heal them for 40, 12, uh, or, searing radiance the the creature then takes damage <laughs> uh based on you know where it is or it coming into your your little 10 foot mm-hmm. radiance so super cool stuff like that i really uh i'm really a big fan of of that sort of thing uh and it allows you and this one also when you move on your turn you can move the cylinder up to 30 feet Very so cool uh concentration spells so you can interrupt them uh but i i like the differentiation between summoning and conjuring and i think the changes to those spells are are super cool yep and if you have any questions about you know which one's which remember uh summoning is you're summoning your friend steve to come over conjuring is you're making a paper mache version of him and uh he hangs out until he's gone that's kind of creepy. Don't make a paper mache version of your friend Steve. <laughs> Best I got. I don't even, I didn't even know what to say after that. <laughs> I don't know how to follow that one up. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Oh, gosh. I'm but here yeah, to no, say the I, weird stuff. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. I think that's cool. I think it's cool. Other classes will get access to that cleric-like uh, ability of some mm-hmm. of the cool cleric spells that they've been able to do for, for a really long time. Um, so again, for the most part, I think this UA is a huge win. Yeah, I, like I the, definitely agree the, I'm loving the direction they're going for most of this stuff. The player choice, the player flexibility, making things more fun, interesting, uh, more not valuable. Uh, what's the word? Um, it, it makes you feel better. Like the healing spell increases. Yeah. It's it just, it's one of those, it's one of those most satisfying. Yeah, there you more go. Satisfying. That, that's the word. Um, and so more useful I'm, too. I'm, yeah, more useful. So I'm really excited uh, by this. I'm excited to see uh, what else they're going to do. Cause they've already talked about, they're going to continue tweaking and tuning uh, in 
not in UAs. There's going to be spell brand new spells that we don't see, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that are going to be coming as well. So, but the the teases and this type of thing, uh, I really like the direction they're going for most of this stuff. And I really, I do really hope that they take another really hard look at the Druid and ask themselves what about it actually made it fun and interesting. And is there a way they can improve upon that? Mm -hmm. I agree. And, you know, it it really does seem like a lot of it is just getting wild shape, right? And, and the circle of the moon Druid, like that, that seems to be where the biggest troubles are. Yep. It's huge. So we'll we'll see what they do. I I, I kind of hope they give it another go. And I because I assume the monk and the barbarian will likely pass this UA with with flying colors like this will this will they will likely get very high marks just from what I've seen around the interwebs. Uh, what I've like my own experience uh, after after reading them. I'm a I'm a big fan. So I hope I hope that they will drop another druid <laughs> drop another druid uh ua to to see if they can really get it right and kind of nail the balance of what they're they're trying to go for yep and we're cheering for them to do it i yeah like i will use the old druid if i have to but i would love to be able to just use the new stuff because the new stuff is better mm-hmm. right that's that's the goal i want to look at the new stuff and go yes Technically, they're all compatible, but I want to use all the new stuff because they're just improvements. They're just more fun. They're just more interesting. It's shiny and new. Come on. Yeah. Uh, All right. So that is the UA. We will have a link to it if you want to dive into all the gritty details. Uh, But uh, beyond that, we are going to talk just briefly uh, about a race that we haven't covered yet. Yes. Or species, if we want to uh, use our new uh, 2024 term. I've, I don't know if that one is still in flux or not, or if lineage is still on the table, but uh, that's the one they seem to be sticking with right now. So uh, what we want to talk about tonight, just a little bit, is the Warforged. Yeah, race. that's right. The mechanical and people. The mechanical people. And this is cool. So this is uh, this is a race that was introduced in... Um, I believe, I believe it would be uh, Eberron. 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 Right. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the book. Uh, Eberron Rising from the Last War. Yeah, that that's, that's I was just about to say that. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yes, the, the Warforge was introduced officially into fifth edition in Eberron rising for the last war. Uh, it is a mechanical uh, race of beings. Uh, ben, what is what is so interesting and special about about this particular race? If you if you wanted to play a Warforged or if you were are in a campaign where the DMs like, yeah, they they exist in my world. Yeah. Well, first of all, I personally think they should be, they should exist in any world because just because they're from Eberron doesn't mean that they could have just randomly fallen through a portal in Sigil or the Radiant Citadel or something just, you know, crash landed on your homebrew world or in Faerun or anywhere else. Doesn't matter, but that's just my own opinion. Um, 
The neat thing about this though, is that they're actually like for better uh, for lack of a better term, they're androids, but like a fantasy version, they're made of living steel, stone, wood. Um, they've got like, um, you know, organic materials kind of blended through with like alchemical fluids and stuff, you know, for like uh, different cords and like vein, like structures and stuff like that. Um, they've got armor plates and like, you know, in reinforced joints and shells, crystal eyes, and a whole bunch of just really kind of neat out of the world or out of this world kind of stuff put into, you know, a humanoid frame that was originally built as, you know, a mindless automaton for this last war that, you know, in, in Eberron that they're talking about. Here's the thing. Yeah. Though. Yeah. yeah. Apparently. Tell I, me, tell me what the thing is. I guess the last war is over. Uh, I haven't played through that campaign, so I don't <laughs> I know. The last war is over. Well, yeah. Eberron, Eberron has uh, an entire massive subculture. Built out of it. So this is this Eberron was a, I believe, a Keith Baker creation. Okay. And Keith Baker, the, this was a, an official Eberron book, but uh, he writes a ton of Eberron supplements. I believe the DMs Guild even has a like two or three hundred page Eberron supplement, like about as you know semi official as you can get. Yeah. Uh, that uh, is was published on the DMs Guild and is just tons more Eberron stuff. And there's all sorts of creations on the like DMs guild. Uh, I know specifically uh, a buddy of mine has done a lot of supplements on the politics of Eberron on the DMs guild. So it is, it is an incredibly popular setting uh, that has a lot of additional content beyond just mm -hmm. this uh, official book. Yeah. So the, the thing about the Warforged is they were forged for war, hence the name. Uh, but now the whole concept is, is that, you know, if you're playing one as, you know, as a player character, um, they were built as weapons. And now they're trying to kind of figure out what life is like beyond being just this war machine. And this is something that has, you know, really kind of intrigued me because, you know, I, I'm a big sci-fi fan and, you know, you look at things that like, you know, Robocop used to be human. Now he's cyborg kind of trying to find his humanity. You have data who from Star Trek next generation, who is an Android who wants to be human, but he's learning and growing, you know, throughout the entire series. Meanwhile, you look at something like, you know, the star Wars universe where they have droids, which were created to do certain things. They have a set of programming, but you know, you, keep the droid around long enough, then it starts, you know, evolving quirks and personality and, and things like that. So this is kind of a race. I have never played one, but I'm very interested in it to kind of look at all of these, you know, what makes life, what makes, you know, or, or fulfills this purpose of this thing that was created specifically for war. You know, are you going to take a, like a, a Frankenstein route where you were made, you had no choice in it, but you're alive now. What does that, you know, inflict upon you? How do you feel? What is this going to be, you know, doing to you? Are you going to be, uh, you know, following examples of like your party members? Are you going to start off being just like a, a, a killer because you don't know the difference between life and not life. You know, you're, you're created just for war, you know, like what is the meaning behind your life now? 
And it's a really cool concept to kind of bring into D&D and give it that extra level of like, like I said, kind of sci-fi, but just universal truth as well. Yeah, we we have a, a mutual uh, friend, Jeff. And if you listen to the, the plus five to hit or have ever heard it, mm-hmm. he plays a Warforged named Shield um, and he does an amazing job with it. Uh, but that's that's kind of what I think of now when I think of think of Warforged. Uh, he has that that whole journey. Uh, I don't know who I am necessarily. Why am I here? Why was I created? Mm-hmm. That type of thing. Uh, it, it's certainly a very unique perspective that uh, you don't necessarily get with a lot of the other races. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, even if we, you do know why you were created, what's your purpose beyond that? You know, there, there's, there's a lot yeah. of different facets that you can explore when you're playing as a Warforge based on like kind of where you are in your, I guess, usefulness, if, if you want to kind of put it that way. But that's one of the neat things about it is that's if you go off of just kind of the base Warforge personality that they're talking about, um, for the most part, again, they had a, a clearly defined vision of what they were supposed to be. They are there for war. That is what they do. And now they have freedom. So, you know, typical Warforged, apparently, you know, they don't show a lot of emotion. Um, sometimes if they don't have that, that, you know, exact, hey, I'm here for war anymore. They look to find that next big purpose, which might be, you know, being just incredibly tight and protective of their allies, you know? So if you're playing in an adventuring party, your entire goal now is to make sure that they live. This is what they do. Um, or in, depending on what class you do, you know, you're doing that to a T to, you know, help them. Um, maybe once you can't fell out of the war, you're still kind of ignorant of the world and you, you know, ran around with some charlatans for a while and you were, you know, not exactly the best kind of person, but you didn't know any better. Now, maybe you're trying to atone for that. You know, there's there's so many different ways of looking at this is like you can treat it almost as if you're a little you are a little kid exploring the world for the first time, being completely Pinocchio and ignorant and stuff. And you're going to, you know, school and then get sidetracked by that fox and the cat or whatever. You know, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of our like the RP, the role play potential mm-hmm. there. There's a lot of it. And even beyond that, uh, just from a traits perspective, Warforged have a very interesting, very interesting mechanically and from a, from a fantasy uh, look. So like uh, Warforged have age, but they don't age. Yeah. Basically uh, they don't show signs of deterioration due to age. You are immune to magical aging effects. That's pretty cool. Um, you are resilient, which means you have advantage on saving throws against being poisoned. You have resistance to poison damage just automatically. You don't need to eat, drink, or breathe. You're immune to disease. You don't need sleep, and magic can't put you to sleep. So that's all pretty cool. When you take a long rest, you just have to spend six hours inactive and motionless rather than sleeping. Uh, you appear inert. Uh, but it doesn't actually render you unconscious and you can see in here as normal from a mechanical standpoint. What, what a scout. Yeah. <laughs> what a, what a lookout. Hey, who's <laughs> on first watchman. watch? I'm on only watch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just, I'm, I'm the only watch you need. Uh, 
integrated protection. This is super cool is too from cool. a fantasy standpoint. And mechanically, you automatically get a plus one bonus to your armor class. That's cool. But your armor or the armor you get, let's say you got, you know, plate or whatever, you spend an amount of time integrating that into your body. So that armor basically just becomes you to the point of while you live, the armor incorporated into your body can't actually be removed against your will. So you <laughs> basically you never get caught with your pants down. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And one of the neat things on top of that, too, is that um, for the most part, you know, when a Warforge is just, you know, just kind of free and everything like that, they're there's they have a sexless body shape. They have no concept of gender. They have, you know, they're, they're basically a blank slate. So you can really kind of explore and create what you want in that sense. And as a Warforge de develops its individuality, it's more likely to modify itself to, you know, change its shape to, you know, seek out an artificer to, you know, change its face or its limbs or, or, or something along those lines as it becomes more, you know, more autonomous. So adding that, you know, armor to yourself is like one step then like maybe changing your hand into, Oh, well, you know, I, I have like teenage Ninja Turtle hands. So I only have three fingers. I want a new one that has five, you know, to look more human. This one over here, I want it to be a claw because I can do that, you know, just other things like that. So you can be ultimately super customizable on top of that too. And it's just, it's like a blank slate. You can really just put it in there and, and do what you want, how you want and play it how you want. And with the extra bonus of, you know, not being poisoned and, you know, kind of being ageless and, and all these different benefits, um, Warforged are a really cool race to play. I think that that's, it's something that I haven't played yet. I've always wanted to, I just never had a campaign that I was going to be playing in where I'm like, Hey, Warforged works, going to jump into it and going to do it. And I'll tell you, just playing with Jeff when he's playing his is a joy. Cause like you said, he plays it in such a great way. That's it's kind of a good archetype of a Warforge, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Uh, very, very unique, has a lot of potential, has a lot of cool mechanical stuff that you could work into your role play. So mm -hmm. if that all sounded interesting, maybe your next character should be a Warforged. Yeah. Want to be a fantasy robot? This is how that's, you do it. That's how you do it. <laughs> all right. So uh, as we wrap our episode up, of course, we have a few more things to shout out. Specifically, our community content shout out this week is a brand new uh, adventure hey. uh, released actually through D&D Beyond called Heroes Feast, Saving the Children's Menu. Uh, this one's super cool because one, it's only five bucks. Uh, two, it's level 10, which yay. Big thumbs up for more high level content. Mm -hmm. uh, at three, it was actually written by Debran Wall, who we are both huge fans of. Uh, she has been around in the D&D community for a very long time. Uh, and she's an excellent DM. If you have not watched the web series Relics and Rarities, I highly recommend you go so check it good. out. She does uh, an absolutely amazing job uh, with the cast and then guests for each each new episode. 
very, very fun show. Mm-hmm. But anyways, so she worked uh, with uh, some of the people at Wizards to make this. Uh, like I said, it's only five bucks. It's a it's a fun like one shot type adventure. Uh, 10th level, and it even includes a recipe for the Kender Stumble Noodles uh, that originally appeared in Heroes Feast Flavors of the Multiverse. Uh, and it also includes maps uh, for the D&D Beyond Maps features, if that's something you are using or looking to use. Uh, and there's also a really great article uh, that was written by Mike Bernier, uh, called Heroes Feast, the joys of running high level adventures, which. Yep, I, I agree. High level adventures, super fun. Uh, and basically gives a nice rundown of the adventure, uh, why it's cool, why higher level is cool tips for running higher level, uh, content as a dungeon master, because a lot of dungeon masters have not run that like level 10 plus content. So there's a lot of uh, tips for running the sessions um, and, and how to uh, best work out some of the uh, things that can pop up from your characters being higher level. Mm-hmm. So definitely check that out. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. Yes, definitely. It is really fun. Very cool. And uh, yeah, we're, we're just fans of hers. She's done a lot of really great uh, D and D stuff like on the, um, uh, she gets an on critical role once, which was absolutely fantastic. She had a great character there. Um, and I believe that she's also done uh, a few of the, the um, what is it? The, the D and D plays that they have like, you know, like once a year. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 She's been on some of the official streams. Yeah. She's done a lot of really very great talented stuff. Very talented player, very talented DM. Mm-hmm. So it's cool. Cool. She wrote an adventure. Uh, there's actually a little uh, video on the D&D Beyond YouTube channel where she talks about writing an adventure and gives some tips for writing your first adventure. So uh, definitely check that out, too. It's like six or seven minutes long, uh, but it was it was really great. You can tell she was really excited uh, about putting this one out. So, again, we'll have a link to all that stuff. Yeah. Definitely check it out. Uh, and then finally, Ben, you had something that you wanted to shout out. Yeah, I, I uh, had this actually pop up. Um, I was just scrolling through Instagram and uh, Kickstarter came up for something called Stonefold Kingdoms. And, you know, me, I like 3D maps and everything like that when I play, uh, even though we've been playing digitally for like the past two or three years. But um this is actually something that's actually really cool that popped up and I just, I had to share it. Um, I've backed it. You obviously don't have to, but you know, wanted to bring it to everybody's attention. Um, basically this is like foldable terrain. So, you know, you just kind of unfold it and then it kind of pops up and you, you have a bunch of different things from, you know, dungeons to ice caves um, to like a town market. There's a, a, a like a sailing ship, like a two mass ship that you can get. Um, but on top of that too, they also have, um, you know, not just like a pop-up book, but they also have magnetic like walls and and everything. So you can completely customize everything so that you can, you know, have your own kind of dungeon tiles, but it's in a, a, a very affordable set. 
Um, just because, you know, you're not paying for, for something, you know, super, super duper high quality. That's like, you know, completely detailed and sculpted and molded. This is really more, um, you know, low end price wise, but still has a lot of really good detail on it because it's, you know, drawn art over, you know, like cardboard ish, um, like, you know, coverings and stuff. I think they, they called it art board. Yeah, exactly. That's if that's a specific type of board. Yeah. Which who knows? I don't do crafting. I don't know. But um, <laughs> like a lot of the things that they have for, for your example or for the examples in here, are, you know, just your flat surface where you can, you know, set up your walls and different doors and everything. Whereas they do have like, you know, um, higher train that goes vertical. So they have like, you know, different steps and landscapes and everything that you can kind of do. Um, and the way that they actually have the, the Kickstarter set up is, is that when you, you know, do your pledge, you do a pledge for a certain number of credits. And then based on however many credits you have, that's when, you know, when you fill out your, your survey and everything, you actually choose of the different things that have been unlocked and everything that, that, uh, you know, the types of environments that you want to play in. And it's just really cool. I just recommend just check it out. Just kind of see what it is. Um, you know, if you like it, if you think it's great, some, give them some support. If not, Hey, at least you got to see something really cool before it came out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is very, very cool looking and much more. Uh, if you're looking for something 3d for like your home game mm-hmm. or even a game you run and have point a camera at the, the battle maps, right? We all know almost everyone's heard of Dwarven Forge, right? Yeah. Super high quality, super cool looking. So super expensive. Uh, A bit. This is definitely something that looks cool, but is far more affordable, but still gives you that 3D element versus just opening a book or laying out a 2D map. Uh, So I, I think this is super cool. Uh, thanks for bringing this to my attention and we will have a link uh, in the show notes as well. If it's something you want to check out. And of course, all of our community shout outs are posted on discord when the episode goes live as we now have one and we are trying to ramp that up as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know Ben, since both of us are kind of uh, I'm just doing like a, a series of, of one shots until the first of the year when my main campaign will start back up again. I know you're on hiatus mm-hmm. until uh until the new year as well. Although I am very excited. I signed up uh, at my friendly local game store uh, for a call of Cthulhu session, which I have not played call of Cthulhu yet. And I've been wanting to for quite a while. So I'm very excited uh, to be able to go uh, play with some uh, buddies of mine and uh, try out call of Cthulhu. Okay, I and not feel heroic in in the least, and just cross my fingers that my character will survive through the session. Probably not, from everything Probably I've heard. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, a, I'm interested in hearing how chance. that goes. Yeah, yeah, it's and it's something I want to do uh, at some point is uh, do an episode. Uh, you know, every once in a while, we we've done it before, rotate in episodes uh, on non D and D tabletop mm-hmm. RPG that we've gotten to play or that we want to play or bringing in someone who can talk about them. Uh, that's certainly uh, something that I want to uh, continue to do. So I'm excited to uh, try that out and report back because 
it, the Call of Cthulhu, while not necessarily the best for a long term <laughs> campaign, uh, just because of the mortality rate of uh, of characters <laughs> that can happen uh, in that game, uh, would be super great uh, for one shots and such. So I'm excited to get into that vibe and learn a little more about it. That'd be very cool. I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Uh, you know what else I would look forward to hear about Ben? Um, let's see. Well, I saw the Marvels. That was pretty good. I can tell you about that. Was that was actually, yeah, no, I saw it too. It was, uh, I, it was super fun. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Marvel's um, good. well, gosh, uh, no, that wasn't it. That okay. wasn't it. Uh, newest episode of kitchen nightmares. No, no, I haven't seen that one. No, that 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 wasn't it. Uh, there, I know there. There's a new official D and D channel that's starting to do like shows and, and broadcasts and reruns. That's pretty cool. They've got like like some D and D cooking show and some like uh, a few actual plays they're putting on. Uh, the the brand new uh, Desi Quest show started coming out. Super cool. Um, and uh, I love it. I backed the Kickstarter for that. That started. I think the the second episode just just dropped recently. Like a TV uh, channel. Yeah, like it's I on. It's on TV. Like Freebie and Plex. I don't have. I don't use either of those yet. I will look. I think Freebie is is an Amazon, like a oh. like ad supported Amazon, like oh. TV. Well, gosh, I have service. Prime. I should definitely look into that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. But none of those things <laughs> are <laughs> as cool as they are. What I was referring to, Ben, why don't you tell everyone where we ourselves, us can be reached? Oh my gosh. That's actually really good too. Um, if you have anything that you want to share about, say your thoughts on, you know, the monks or the barbarians or the druids, um, you can always uh, email us, send those to dndiscussions at gmail.com. Um, if it is something that is a little more short form and you do have a blue sky, uh, media account or social media account, you can find us there as well. We are at dndiscussions. Um, if you're looking for Ryan himself, he is at TBK Zord on blue sky and I am at Ben Bumhofer. Uh, now, as we said, we do have a Discord. We would love it if everybody would join us there. Uh, we will have a link to that in our show notes. So where do you find the show notes? Best place you can, dndiscussions.com. Every single episode that we've ever had is available on that website, uh, as well as your podcast player choice. However, you're not going to see the show notes on your podcast player. Go to dndiscussions.com. You'll have it there. Um, and then, uh, last but not least, of course, uh, as, uh, Ryan mentioned before, plus five to hit, um, we just finished recording our kind of winter break, uh, two shot ended up being a two shot, which was actually a lot of fun. Um, we'll be returning back into full swing of Ryan of the frost maiden in, uh, January, but, uh, that should be, uh, the latest episode should be posted, I believe in the next week or two. Um, so check that out when you can plus five to hit. Uh, aside from that, everybody, thank you very much for joining us on DN Discussions. Ryan, I had a blast geeking out about monks with you. It is always fun. And, uh, of course, everybody, until next time, roll high and be good to each other. Thanks, and we'll see you soon. <laughs>